Welcome to Reading the One Year Bible Together, a daily podcast that runs Monday through Saturday. My name is Bryce Tomlinson, and I'll be joined by Sherry Atanasal, and on occasion, my lovely wife, Julie. If you don't have a one-year Bible, you can get a reading plan at oneyearbibleonline.com. There's a link in the description of this video on Facebook, and as well as the show notes of our podcast. This podcast is recorded from Jitsi, where we do our live streams daily. Details can be found in the show notes as well as on our Facebook page. You're welcome to read out of whichever version of the Bible that you like best. We just happen to use the World English Bible because it's public domain. And as such, this podcast and its corresponding live stream are also public domain. You're welcome to download them and re-upload them anywhere that you see fit, anywhere that you think that the Word of God is needed. We feel like that's pretty much everywhere, so you should totally do that. And even if you can't, you can still hit that share button. Share this on your timeline, share this on your Facebook, your Twitter feed, your TikTok, or wherever you think that people ought to be getting into the Bible. In the show notes, you'll find links to PayPal and Patreon, where you can show your support and contribute to the improving of our audio quality and the audio gear that we use to record these podcasts and live streams. Thanks for joining us, and here we go. Today is August 15th, and that means it is day 227 of the One Year Bible. Day 227 is going to start us out in Nehemiah chapter 9. So if you'd like to get turned there, Sherry, would you like to pray for us this morning? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And I just ask, Lord, that as we get into it today, Lord, that you would give us clarity of what we're reading and understanding, Lord, so that we could know more about you, so that we could tell others about you and, and share your truths, Lord, so that people may come to know you. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We are starting in Nehemiah chapter 9, starting in verse 22. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and peoples, which you allotted according to their portions. So they possessed the land of Sihon, even the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You also multiplied their children as the stars of the sky, and brought them into the land concerning which you said to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands, with their kings and the peoples of the land, that they might do with them as they please. They took fortified cities and a rich land, and possessed houses full of all good things, cisterns dug out, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate, were filled, became fat, and delighted themselves in your great goodness." Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their back, killed your prophets that testified against them to turn them again to you, and they committed awful blasphemies. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their adversaries who distressed them. In the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven, and according to your manifold mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them out of the hands of their adversaries. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you. Therefore, you left them in the hands of their enemies, so that they had the dominion 
dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies, and testified against them that you might bring them again to your law. Yet they were arrogant and didn't listen to your commandments, but sinned against your ordinances, which, if a man does, he shall live in them, turned their backs, stiffened their neck, and would not hear. Yet many years you put up with them and testified against them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your manifold mercies, you didn't make a full end of them, nor forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and loving kindness, don't let all the travail seem little before you that has come on us, on our kings, on our princes, on our priests, on our prophets, on our fathers, and on all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria to this day. However, you are just in all that has come on us, for you have dealt truly, but we have done wickedly. Also our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law, nor listened to your commandment and your testimonies which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom, and in your great goodness that you gave them, in the large and rich land which you gave before them, they didn't turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are servants today, and as for the land that you gave to our fathers, to eat its fruit and its good, behold, we are servants in it. It yields much increase to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have power over our bodies and over our livestock at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. Yet for all this, we make a sure covenant and write it, and our princes, our Levites, and our priests seal it. Next, we continue with Nehemiah chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Now those who sealed were Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hakaliah, and Zedekiah, Sariah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pashur, Amariah, Malchijah, Hattush, Shebaniah, Maluk, Harim, Merimoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginnathon, Baruch, Meshulam, Abijah, Mejamin, Meaziah, Bilgai, and Shemaiah. These were the priests, the Levites, Jeshua the son of Azaniah, Binui of the son of Henadad, Cadmiel, and their brothers, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Kelita, Haliah, Hanan, Micah, Rehob, Hashabiah, Zachar, Sherebiah, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Bani, and Beninu, the chiefs of the people, Parash, Pahathmoab, Elam, Zatu, Bani, Buni, Asgad, Bibai, Adonijah, Bigvi, Aden, Ater, Hezekiah, Azur, Hodiah, Hashum, Bizah, Hereth, Anathoth, Nobai, Megpiash, Meshulam, Hezir, Meshezabel, Zadok, Jadua, Pelatiah, Hanan, Aniah, Hoshea, Hananiah, Hashub, Halohesh, Hilha, Shobek, Rehum, Hashabna, Measeah, Ahiah, Hanan, Anan, Maluk, Harim, and Baana, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated 
separated themselves from the people of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding, joined with their brothers, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of Yahweh our Lord, and his ordinances and his statutes, and that we would not give our daughters to the peoples of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. And if the peoples of the land bring wares or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, that we would forego the seventh year crops and the exaction of every debt. Also we made ordinances for ourselves to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the continual meal offering, for the continual burnt offering, for the Sabbaths, for the new moons, for the set feasts, for the holy things, for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and for all the work of the house of our God. We the priests, the Levites, and the people cast lots for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God, according to our father's houses, at times appointed year by year, to burn on Yahweh our God's altar, as it is written in the law, and to bring the first fruits of our ground, and the first fruits of all fruit of all kinds of trees, year by year, to Yahweh's house. Also the firstborn of our sons and of our livestock, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks, to bring to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough, our wave offerings, the fruit of all kinds of trees, and the new wine, and the oil, to the priests, to the rooms of the house of our God, and the tithes of our ground to the Levites. For they, the Levites, take the tithes in all our farming villages. The priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes. The Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms, into the treasure house. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the wave offering of the grain, of the new wine, and of the oil, to the rooms where the vessels of the sanctuary are, and the priests who minister with the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not forsake the house of our God. Next, we are in the New Testament. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19. For though I was free from all, I brought myself under bondage to all, that I might gain the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I have become all things. Things to all men, that I may by all means save some. Now I do this for the sake of the good news, that I may be a joint partaker of it. Don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run like that, so that you may win. Every man who strives in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore run like that, not aimlessly. I fight like that, not not beating the air, but I beat my body and bring it into submission, lest by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Next, we continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 1. 
Now, I would not have you ignorant, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. However, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after things as they also lusted. Don't be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Let's not commit sexual immorality as some of them committed, and in one day 23,000 fell. Let's not test Christ as some of them have tested and perished by the serpents. Don't grumble as some of them also grumbled and perished by the destroyer. Now, all these things have happened to them by way of example, and they were written for our admonition, on whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands be careful that he doesn't fall. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Next, we go back into the Old Testament, where in Psalm 34, starting in verse 1. I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth. My soul shall boast in Yahweh. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify Yahweh with me. Let's exalt his name together. I sought Yahweh and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces shall never be covered with shame. This poor man cried and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Yahweh's angel encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear Yahweh, you his saints, for there is no lack with those who fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek Yahweh shall not lack any good thing. Lastly, we finish with Proverbs 21, verse 13. Whoever stops his ears at the cry of the poor, he will also cry out, but shall not be heard. Dear Heavenly Lord, I just thank you for your word, and I thank you for this time together, Lord. And I just pray that those that listen to this podcast will be touched by you and understand more of who you are and what will you have for their lives. And I also pray the same thing for us. Father, I lift up those that are sick, that are struggling with so many illnesses, Lord God, and for losses and for just so many things in this world, Lord, that are all part of corruption and the fall. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would be merciful. I lift up those who have lost loved ones, Lord, and I just pray for your peace and your comfort, Lord, that they would sense your presence through this difficult time, that they would not withdraw or isolate, but reach out to your people for love and for comfort and for caring, Lord, and realize that they are not alone. Lord God, I just also pray for a resolution if there are problems with wills and estates and things that are left by those who are gone, and I just pray that you would also resolve those situations quickly, Lord God. Lord, I lift up those that are dealing with cancer. I lift up my mom. I lift up Richard. I lift up Lawrence. And I just pray, Lord, also for Gary and Mary and their new diagnoses. And I just pray, Lord, that you would 
be by their side in a way that they feel your presence. I pray for a complete and total healing of their bodies, both of the cells of cancer that are fighting fighting them, Lord, as well as the treatments that they are using to fight the cancer. And I pray for a complete healing, a miracle, and a testimony to who you are, Lord God, that it was your work in your hand that did the healing, Lord God. I also pray for a restoration of the rest of their body that gets so torn up by the treatments, Lord God, that you would bring them back to wholeness. Lord, I lift up those who have heart conditions. Lord, I lift up Bryce. I lift up George. I lift up Ralph and Sue and Stephanie, Bryce's dad. And I just pray, Lord, that you would heal these hearts, Lord, these muscles that are so necessary to function that we can't live without them, Lord. You created it that way. And I just pray that you would help their hearts grow strong to beat properly and correctly, Lord, to heal all of the damage that's been done, Lord. And again, may it be a testimony to you, to your mercy, to your grace, your goodness, and to you just being God, Lord, that those who are healed and those who see the healing may testify to you. Lord, I just pray for those who have had a stroke, Lord. I pray for Bryce's mom and sister, Lord. I pray for Rudy, and I pray that you would continue to heal their brains and allow them to function normally again, Lord God. You can work in mighty ways that doctors can't. Doctors don't even understand everything about strokes. They understand a lot, but not everything, Lord. You do. You know why they happen, and I just pray that you would restore, you would regrow, you would heal, and that you would make them like new again, Lord God. I pray for those who have neurological issues. I pray that you would allow Chris to walk again fully and have complete function in his body and not just partial, Lord God, that he can go back to work. And I pray for <clears throat> for Bryce and, and Richard that you would heal the tremors that they have and, and allow the doctors to see the cause, Lord, and that there would be some sort of a healing, Lord. Lord, I lift up our kids who are dealing with eating issues and disorders, Lord God. I pray for McKenna. I pray that you would miraculously heal her, Lord, and help her to see that food is just simply fuel for the body. I lift up the marriages that are struggling. They deal with so many issues, Lord, and a lot of them try to want to give up and some don't. And we know a few of the couples, Lord, that are struggling and we wish we could call them by name, but we respect the privacy, Lord God. And we ask that you would do a mighty work, a miracle, a movement in the hearts and the minds of both sides of the couple, Lord that you would bring to repentance strongholds of sin, that you would bring to awareness wrong thinking, wrong behaviors, wrong attitudes, Lord God, that do not honor you and do not respect the other person. I pray that you would help them to lay all of that down on your altar, Lord, and not pick it up again, that you would work a mighty miracle and restore these couples, Lord, that they would be a testimony to your grace, a testimony to who you are, that they would represent you well, Lord, as you have designed marriage to do. God, I lift up our kids to you, Lord, and I just pray that you would open up their eyes to see that this world that seems so exciting and actually can be for a time is actually an entrapment in sin and can have lifelong consequences, Lord, and lead them down paths that they can't always return from outside of your miracles, Lord. I just pray that you would open their eyes to see the lies, to see the untruths, to see who it is that's trying to draw them away from you, and that you would repulse them from that and turn their hearts back towards you, especially there's a couple I'm thinking of, that they would come to you, Lord, and embrace you, that the prodigals would return. 
Thank you, Lord, for our first responders as they are out, especially in the heat gear, uh, abnormal high heat and all of that gear. Lord, going out in miserable conditions, Lord, to keep us safe, to protect us, to deal with situations that most people couldn't handle, Lord God, whether it's fire, whether it's medical, whether it's police. And I just pray that you would rain abundant blessings down upon them, Lord God, and on their families, and that you would keep them safe, you would give them wisdom and discernment, Lord, and that you would bring more and more of them to come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Thank you for those people out teaching your word. I just pray that you would embolden them, strengthen them, give them courage, give them rest, Lord God, and continue to lead them and guide them that they bring may bring more people into your fold. Finally, Lord God, I lift up your people, Israel, this, this, these people that you have chosen, that you have set apart, you have called your beloved. I just pray, Lord God, that you would help them to open up their eyes, open up their minds, and see who Messiah is, and that is your son, Jesus. And I ask all of this in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah gives a pretty thorough history here of the people. Yeah, pretty good for a cupbearer, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. We don't know who he was before he became a cupbearer, but we know obviously that the Lord was with him because he has all of this information and history and the way that he carries himself and the way that he's speaking is he's very well educated. He kind of sums up his message to God, his prayer to God. He is saying, now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, awesome God who keeps covenant. This is the way we should open every prayer. You know, uh, <laughs> you're amazing. We are dust. <laughs> yes. He says, don't let all the travails seem little before you that has come on us. He He's saying, don't please don't think of the problems that we're going through to be small. <laughs> and he frames up the time frame that all this has happened to them. And then he says, however, you are just in all that has come on us, for you have dealt truly. You've been honest this whole time. Right. We know that. We acknowledge that. How much better would we all be if we just said, yep, God, you know, we screwed up. We know that. Instead of trying to cover it, we even still try to cover it to God and he knows everything. But how often do we say, yeah, so I'm not perfect. And then we go, what What do you expect me to do about it? <laughs> Good point. Really, most of the time, we don't, we'll be the first ones to say that we're not perfect. And we'll also be the first mm -hmm. ones to proclaim that we don't think we have to be. And we don't think that we should try to be. And we, we don't think that we need <laughs> correction. Right. Well, we're already messed up. So, oh, well, or yeah, we know we're going to keep messing up. So why bother? I know it's wrong, but why bother? And that's not what Nehemiah here is saying. No, not at all. He's saying that he and his people and the priests and everything that belongs to them are today dedicated to the Lord. Uh -huh. Nehemiah, of course, can't say anything about what the future holds for how Israel is going to treat its people and how they're going to treat their faith. But he's saying today, this is where we're at. We are dedicated to you. We've dedicated everything that we are and everything that we have to you. Do with us as you see fit. Yep. And he is saying, you know, in spite of our servitude, slavery, however you want to call it, we're still making a covenant with you. We're not, they're not, he's not asking to be removed from that servitude, but making covenant in spite of it or because of it or however you want to say that. Yeah. Nehemiah is still the cupbearer. Yeah. He's still a slave. He's still. To 
the king. He's still the cupbearer. He's still the guy that's supposed to die instead of the king. Uh-huh. And something just occurred to me as we're reading through Nehemiah 10, uh-huh. verse 30, and that we would not give our daughters to the peoples of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. Let's be clear. Uh, it, Israel is is not racist, okay? By, no, no. By holding to this law, by holding to this commandment, they're not racist. But here, here's what you have. Here's what you really have to know is that they they believe that the law is correct, and they would naturally love to marry these beautiful women that are in the surrounding mm-hmm. and they would love to give their daughters in marriage to some of these princes and and rich kings of the of the nations around. Mm-hmm. They would love to, but God tells them not to. It's a really hard deal to refuse. Right. Well, especially in our culture, because here in America and most of the Western world, it's you see someone, you're attracted, you fall in love, you get married, and there's no, there are no limitations on who you can and cannot be with. Right. So it's really hard for our minds to wrap around this strict limitations of that decree. You only marry these people. And it seems cruel to us, but he was doing it for the preservation of his people, the Israelites. And today's society, they would call it racist. But but here's what you here's what you need to know about the Jews. Abraham wasn't one. Abraham. Nope, he was not. Abraham with not he was of the neighboring nations mm-hmm. he was and that and he came from one of these outside nations there was no mention of the Jews until no until Jacob's kids came around so and I and I bring that up again to point out that it's it's only natural that these people would actually want to they would desire to marry the the beautiful women in the neighboring nations and and to give their mm-hmm daughters in marriage to these neighboring nations. But God says, no, God is holding them accountable for their lineage. Yes, he is. It saves a lot of problems down the road if you're just obedient to God. Yep. That's not to say that we're not going to meet those people in heaven because God's Mm -hmm. out to the Gentiles, to the Jews, to everybody to preach the good news to the ends of the earth. And and Mm -hmm. you Gentiles, you people who aren't Jews can be really thankful that um that the events turned out the way that they did because because of that you're able to be grafted in yep and if that's not inclusive enough i don't know what would be paul is describing something in first corinthians mm-hmm. 9 that today would be defined as cultural appropriation <laughs> you are right i never thought of it that way <laughs> so just just let's take for example okay um we all have that one friend and if we don't have that one friend you are are that one friend <laughs> when you get around your black friends you you speak black uh-huh. <laughs> and and back in the day uh it used to be just the natural human tendency to fit in wherever you were right uh-huh. uh, if you if you went to the if you went to the south and you hung around Texans for long enough, you would probably come back home to the great northwest with a little bit of a drawl. Uh, my friend Sal, God rest his soul, that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as he got to Texas, like two weeks later, I'm talking to him on the phone, and he's got the thickest southern drawl, and it is it was so funny. I, I made <laughs> I, I made so much fun of him for it, and uh, <laughs> and it was authentic. It was real. Right? <laughs> Like a real right. other draw, and he like grabbed it by the horns and rode that thing. 
<laughs> if I had a very strong accent until we moved to Washington when I was five, it was Southern, not Midwestern, even though I'm from Illinois. So I lost it within a year or two. But I have noticed that if I hang around people with an accent, I will pick the accent up within minutes. Uh-huh. I went to Canada for two weeks. I came back with a Canadian accent. Doesn't last long, but I can guarantee you when I finally get to visiting my relatives in Illinois that I will come back with an accent. I grew up in a black neighborhood. I was that white kid. I I grew up around nothing but black people for the most part, except for my folks. Mm-hmm. And then I went to church at a black church. And I don't know. I don't know how you can hang out with a people group and not adopt some of their speech patterns or other habits or whatever. I don't know how you can. And I think it's human. Yeah. I think it's normal uh-huh. survival tactics, actually. But but probably Paul is saying to the Jews, I became as a Jew. Now, mind you, Paul's a Jew. A Jew. <laughs> but to the Jews, a Jew. And to those who are without law, without law. So he would act like someone who didn't have the law or he would argue from the point of view of someone who didn't have the law. So uh-huh. when people who didn't have the law. Right. He would he would uh, change his stature around those who were weak so he wouldn't seem domineering so that he could win. Uh-huh. Uh, this is he's not he's not a brilliant, just, man, not just fitting in. This is him seeking to relate to them in a way that can get them saved at all costs. Yes. So what if you adopting someone else's speech patterns is not cultural appropriation as much as it is a super productive way to have a meaningful conversation? I love very good point. And what's the most important thing that we have to talk about? <laughs> Salvation through Jesus. And we have to realize that in different parts, even of our country, there are different cultures and you need to try to understand them if you can, because you'll be able to reach them easier. So is speaking about salvation and sharing the good news important enough to possibly sacrifice your credibility in the eyes of of man, a progressive people who will accuse you of cultural appropriation? I would say that, yes, anything that we can do to win people to Christ, it's worth whatever cost we may have to pay. I'm not saying it's easy to do or many people are willing to do it. Right. But yes, it is worth it. That's the point. Right. Yeah. Paul says this thing, too, that that is it seems counterintuitive. I fight like that, not <laughs> beating the air, but I beat my body and bring it into submission lest by by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. What do you think that means? <laughs> I think that he has temptations to sin just like everybody else does or to take the easy road. And he has to fight that within himself with the Lord's help. Yeah, I think Paul accuses himself as much as anybody else does. Uh-huh. He's What he's saying is kind of like, I, I am practicing what I preach. Yeah. And as secure as he is in his salvation, he is also, I won't say worried for it, but concerned for it. Mm-hmm. Concern for the integrity of it, right? Because he doesn't right. want to. He doesn't want to say this to somebody else. And at the same time, be not, as he, as he puts it, a joint partaker of it. Right. How is it that I led somebody else to salvation and yet I'm going this other way? He's concerned about it. Uh-huh. And he says that that's and the it, reason why he does things the way he does things. Right. I, I think that all solid Christian leaders should probably have that mindset, not try to be just good on the surface, but constantly be seeking out, you know, this is something I need to work on. This is something I have to give to the Lord. 
Lord, is this a problem in my life? I think usually if we're asking if it's a problem in my life, it's already a problem in my life. <laughs> For many, many people, yes. <laughs> now, he's speaking to the Corinthian church and mm -hmm. he is pointing out in in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he is pointing out um, the history of the Jews. Right. Even though these are his spiritual children, these are his kids, his chosen people. However, with most of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. He's saying, don't be idolaters as some of them were. These were his chosen people and they were idolaters. Mm -hmm. These were his chosen people, yet they tested, they tested Christ. They were his chosen people, but they did all these evil things and didn't listen to God and grumbled. Uh -huh. And he's talking to the Corinthians. The Corinthians are a, uh, a group of Greeks that uh, they worshipped multiple gods. Uh -huh. Yes, until they came to know the one true God mm -hmm. and this, this, this church, these people. But it would be really easy to still lean back towards that lifestyle because if that's what you grew up in or spent most of your life in, it's easier. Yeah, it's always easiest to go back to something familiar. Uh -huh. Especially when the way ahead is very apparently into resistance and persecution. Right. What's your game plan today? My game plan is to try and stay cool, take care of the chickens so they stay alive. And it's a, a lot of jujitsu afternoon and evening. So that will be the main thing this afternoon. Sweet. So yeah. clarified butter. Mm -hmm. No, today is no clarified butter. It's Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told that we had dinner with our home group last night and I told them that. But they just started cracking up. They thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. Why are you talking about clarified butter? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you up to today? Uh, writing scripts, making videos, and um, I'm going to be trying to construct a an email funnel, a sales funnel, mm. an email, which is something I've never done before. Okay. Uh, One more thing in your belt. Yep. So writing email copy, writing scripts, uh, and then making some videos. I set up another computer on the coffee table so that I can take a break from this desk and move around and change positions and stuff. So I can yeah. That'll help your back too. Right, copy. Yeah, my back is doing really good. I rode my bike again yesterday. I didn't do it today because I didn't feel up to it, but mm -hmm. back is doing much better. And good. roller skating on Saturday went pretty well. So I'm good. That's good. You're healing. Yep, it's very promising. I think the the more I work it, the the better it's going to be. And then um, I just keep praying for surgery on the 22nd. Oh, is that when it is? 22nd? 22nd. Of this month? Of next month. Oh, September. Okay. 22nd of September. Yeah. Two days after my birthday. Yeah. Supposedly, it's like a half hour procedure. <clears throat> wow. Mm -hmm. That sounds like it's not too bad. Yeah. It's going to be an overnight stay in the hospital uh -huh. because they want to monitor. It's mostly for monitoring. Yeah. That makes sense. But they're going to use a general anesthesia. It's going to take me that long to wake up anyway. So <laughs> thanks for joining us, you guys. Thank you, Sherry, for reading along with me each day. God bless you guys. Mm -hmm. We'll be back again tomorrow sometime around 10-ish or so-ish Pacific time here in the Jitsi Room. And you're welcome to join us live at that time. Uh, please do leave your prayer requests and comments at the Facebook page that we have linked in the podcast. And uh, be sure to check out the uh, previous episodes, archives. There's even stuff that's before we started making this into a podcast in there. So mm -hmm. welcome yep. 
download all of that stuff. And uh, later on in the day, today and tomorrow, we'll be putting this up as a podcast. Be sure to uh, follow us on your favorite podcast app. And uh, y'all have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye.